Los Angeles, California on the MTV Podcast Network. This is North Mollywood. This is my dream voice. We will be talking about dreams today. In the studio with us, to my left, uh, clockwise, America's only rock critic, Jessica Hopper. Hello. Podcast guru, Michael Catano. Hello. And sitting across the table, the dream police woman herself, Molly Lambert. Fuck the dream police. They're in your mind, yelling, stop. Stop dreaming. Do the dream police police dreams? What is the, uh, the who are police, the dream police? They live inside of your head. Yeah. The dream police, they come to you in your bed. And what are they policing, though? Do we know? I've never really thought about it, but now I'm thinking about it. Now I'm asking you to think about it. They police your dreams. So what is that? Like, if you get outside of the, like, what is acceptable behavior? I think it's like they don't want you to fly too high. All right. And, and touch the sun. That's you a You don't bummer. think it's like a metaphor about thought crime? No, I think it's, a, it's literal dream police. I'm saying, what if the, who are the dream police? What are they? What is their jurisdiction? What is their role? In all of these things, in the, the hypothetical cheap trick Neil Gaiman world that I'm asking you to imagine. Imagine. It's a podcast. Go there in your mind. I'm the only one who thinks this is a good approach for this podcast. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about dreams, which is an annoying thing to do in life, but so is podcasting. So it all kind of works out. And we're also going to talk about Black Mirror a show that Molly and I both watched for the first time this week. Some some of us watched it for the first time. Some of us. Wait, was it you? No. Oh, you've seen it before. Yeah. I thought you'd never been like what? on it. What? I thought you were not a. All right, no. Well, here did we you go. not listen to the Girls in Hoodies podcast where we talked about it like every week? I and did sometimes not. Sometimes we flew to England in order to see it because it was not available in America yet at that time. I feel like maybe I was the person who told you to watch Black Mirror, but... Many people told me to watch Black Mirror. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> we did a lot of great prep for this podcast. <laughs> I prepped by dreaming. <laughs> you guys stop fighting. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we talk. This is how it works. Um, my dream... You didn't ask. This was your window. Alex, I didn't Alex, leave a window. What was your dream that you had that you wrote down for yourself? Oh, all right. I suppose I could talk about if there's one thing people love, it's hearing about other people's dreams. Yeah, so there's a, a, a he is a, a he was a comics blogger at the time, a guy named Chris Sims, who's a, the, the creator of the Invincible Superblog and also the one the co-writer of uh, X Men '92, which is the most Molly X Men comic, by the way. Uh, it's set in the TV show continuity. That's not important. You don't really need to know who this is. Only that, it, but it'll be a lot funnier. Um, I had a dream I was outside in the parking lot outside a screening of This Is Spinal Tap and Chris Sims was singing That's Life like really going for it like a full kind of like you know uh, like Sinatra on the subway kind of the you know for change uh, rendition and there's an older man watching and in that way that you know things in your dreams he doesn't really look like this person but I know it to be Andy Gibb of the Beach Boys. I'm sorry. The Bee Gees? Sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. Leave it in. Leave it in. Jess. We need a record of our mistakes. The- Do you want me to crawl out the door? I can tell without 
seeing beneath your mirror shades that you just rolled your eyes into the back of your neck. Yeah, Molly observed that Jessica looks like she's in the Dave Clark 5 today. But then I was thinking we could make it like a, a Molly mirror shades thing, who is a famous cyberpunk heroine who always wears mirror shades. You're kind of a cyberpunk heroine yeah. yourself. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> Have you not listened to this show? <laughs> this yeah, is one of the more together news. ones. This is really coming yeah, along. Yeah, I totally heard this show, guys. Anyway, Andy Gibb is watching. He's old and he's he's crying. He's like moved to like sniveling, snotty tears by this performance. He's thinking like, yes, this young man is right. That is life. And I also the dream is framed in such a way that I am watching this as a clip in a documentary that's on either Fuse oh, or Oh, you Spike. have a dream about watching television. Of course I did. Of course I did. Why would you possibly email that to yourself? I don't know. I think So that 10 years later, he could share it with us. September 30th, 2010, <laughs> I sent this to myself. And I don't know why, I mean, I, I don't know why I didn't, you know, I mean, obviously it has a limited audience. So it was maybe just me. Michael, you had an amazing anxiety dream that was in its own way as richly specific as you had a dream about this described. podcast? I had a dream about a different podcast on the MTV Podcast Network. What podcast? A little show I like to call Happy, Sad, Confused. Um, but I'm interested. We should get back to this after I describe this story. Because you describe it as an anxiety dream, which wasn't how I interpreted it. So I'm curious to hear your analysis of my dream life. This is now the Fraser Crane show. It's interesting. Um, I would like to start this description of my dream by cueing some caper music, perhaps, through the magic of production. We're imagining that caper music is happening. All right. I'm like your DM. I'm like, uh, you roll, roll the dice first. Get, uh, you roll a 12. Yeah, you get yeah, you get caper music. I'd like to cast a caper spell on the table right Approved. now. Approved. Thank you. Uh, so uh, Happy Side Confused is a an excellent show that we make here. Uh, it is hosted by the talented, longstanding host, Josh Horowitz. Um, wonderful man. Uh, so I had a dream the other night where I was hanging out with Josh Horowitz. Uh, he was wearing a tuxedo and I was dressed as I am now in normal clothes. Uh, and somehow we got involved in, uh, a kind of Ocean's Eleven style caper, a a series of hijinks where we had to, with the help of Josh's good friend and co-conspirator, uh, the singer Josh Groban, we had to break into a mansion during a fancy ball. Uh, like climbing through air ducts and elevator shafts and all that stuff uh, to uh, we had to steal from a safe a bootleg DVD copy of the movie Cool Runnings. Like with a like color photocopy, you would buy it on Canal Street style uh, bootleg DVD. Cool Runnings. Me, Josh Horowitz, and Josh Groban. And did you succeed? We did. And then uh, what happened? Uh, I don't really remember what happened after. I just remember a very vivid image of Josh Groban popping out of an air duct in a tuxedo <laughs> with white gloves on and like holding this DVD copy of Cool Runnings and like giving a thumbs up. And Did anything kind – of okay, here's my first question. Did you have any sort of connection to Cool Runnings or Josh Groban in, in the time prior to this dream? Like no, did something trigger this in some way? Not at all. Those are just the things. They're just really random things that popped into it. Um, that's a good dream. That's, I mean, that's what dreams are. It's like the junk in your head gets shuffled around and then thrown back out 
in a different formation. So I'm a person who doesn't normally remember his dreams. Like I maybe like once every couple of months, a dream will stick. So it like, um, it was nice after, uh, so I had this week, I had a week, maybe two weeks ago, whenever this happened, where I had like three work-related dreams three nights in a row, which in and of itself is kind of remarkable. But the other two were very mundane and very stressful. And so this was kind of like the, the like, oh, this is a wonderful, pleasant, capering experience I had with my friend Josh Horowitz. And it kind of capped the whole thing off on a nice note. When I was in high school, starting like maybe when I was like 14 or 15, or a little bit younger, I kept having psychic dreams, like not like deja vu dreams, but it happened with a real regularity where I would dream about something and then usually it was something sort of bad and then it would come to pass. And it was usually to somebody who wasn't super close to me and somebody would like describe something happening and I would be able to kind of like finish the sentence. And it got, it, I, I really started to hate it. And so towards the end of high school, I just, I, I like turned it off in my head somehow. Concrete example. I've literally never said this out, out, out loud to another because person. You know, but because you know. Because I'm saying it on crazy. a podcast. But that it, it sort of um, culminated years later in that I had had this very vivid dream in, in uh, towards the middle of high school about a van accident. And then it turned out uh, later, like I actually drew a picture of it for um, the band Chokebore old LA punk band who I worked with and it was like their van accident that had happened like three years later after I'd had the dream. What? Was it like a distinctive van accident? Like there was something. Yeah. Like we, like it was a whole, it was a whole thing. And I sort of stopped him. I was like, was it like this? Was it like this? Was it like this? And drew a picture. So you had like final destination dreams. I don't know what that is. Is that a movie? Yeah. It's a movie where like these, these kids, one it's like a, you know, kids get murder movie. The kids get murdered movie where they're all supposed to be on a plane that crashes and then they don't go on the plane, but then they all get killed anyway. Like they were fated to die. So they get killed. Final destination. But they get killed in like Rube Goldberg machine ways for reasons that have nothing to do with anything. Right. Like God is. But it's cool. Like like, an OK Go video gone horribly wrong. So (laughs) those movies are frightening. They're good. Uh, They're legitimately scary. The thing that like I wound up trying to kind of find out about that as a phenomenon, but that uh, teenage girls who are stressed out tend to be, you know, psychic or have premonitions, and that boys, teenage boys, tend to be able to do, um, where is it where you can bend spoons and, like, turn lights off? Oh, I really thought I could bend spoons if I just worked on it long enough after I read Matilda. Yeah, I think every kid... (laughs) I think every kid I was goes like, through I that. I read a lot of books. Right? I can move stuff with my brain, right? Also, when you were talking about your flying thing, did you ever see The Boy Who Could Fly? It's like a '80s TV movie about a like I think a kid who just really wants to fly, and he thinks about it long enough, and then it happens. No. Really made me think that might work. I definitely saw that movie and remember I think nothing. Kurt Russell about is it. in it. No, Kirk Cameron. Can you make a movie in the '80s without? Kurt, Kurt Russell, you no. couldn't. You had to get permission. You could do it. You <laughs> I heard have, Kurt uh, Russell's son is on one of the Black Mirrors, and that he's very Kurt Russell-y. That's what a, what a strange technological irony that is. That now, no, it's actually not. Here's my question: Did you start to worry that you were making the things happen? That you were not doing like remote projection of seeing the future, but that whatever you dreamed about was going to come true? 
No, it definitely felt like more uh, receiving a vision. Access to the future. Yeah, and I would write them down. And then, and oftentimes they were, when, when I found out about the things later, that they would be things that had happened, you know, disconnected to me by people I eventually came to know. Have you considered uh, tapping back into this and then monetizing it? <laughs> no. I, my dreams now uh, are, are so, so fantastically boring. I mean, a lot of them are like, I'm, then, I'm the- scrolling Slack. So maybe I am. I am dreaming of the future that is happening. Um, but I, I, I actually... Every morning when I wake up, I talk to my sons about their dreams. And I have one son that doesn't dream. And then my young son uh, often has, like, anxiety dreams. Uh, and and it's they're really – there's sort of this real melancholy sometimes hearing them because he'll have, like, nightmares. Like, last week he had a dream that his dad was trying to eat him. Or, like – Maybe he um, grew a strawberry head. <laughs> Yeah, delicious. Or um, that a monster was trying to lift up his bed and eat him like a sandwich and all this stuff. But he's four and he remembers his dreams really vividly. And I wonder if there's, I don't know. I, oh, I'm, like you passed on the psychic connection? Like it's the shining? Uh, like there's, uh, I mean, hopefully his dad isn't eating him and stuff. But that he also has anxiety dreams about kindergarten. You know, or, but he also has ones where like our neighbor appears, our, we have a, a young neighbor who's the same age who appears to him as a ghost in our house. Well, maybe the dream is telling you that your neighbor hasn't lived there in hundreds of years. I I like to sometimes think that it is the spirit of this, the, the sleeping spirit of the cross the street neighbor who comes to visit my son and that they like meet in a dream. This is like the most hippie shit I have ever said. I'm very into it. <laughs> we're both, yeah, there was a pause. We're both like, whoa. I mentioned earlier that I don't tend to remember dreams. And this is a period of time that happened after having the same dream three to four nights a week, every week for about four or five years, if not longer, where I would have the exact same dream multiple times every single week. And the dream was that I would, and it was one of those like dreams that is hyper-realistic, so you feel like it is actually very much happening as it happens. I'd wake up, and it'd be me waking up in the morning. I would walk to my bathroom. I would look in the mirror, and the skin on my face would be sort of the te- a texture somewhere between a scab and the skin of a strawberry. So like... Oh, Lord. Like very oh like That's red and shiny and crinkly, but with like small little like... Seeds. Like seed-like pustules in it, oh, and rude. I would I would look in the mirror and be like, "Oh, this is this is fucked. This is not good." <laughs> so I would look in the mirror and, and I would see this sort of like scab skin face, and I would dig my fingers into the like top of my oh, hairline, uh. and then peel my face off and like look like basically like uh, you would expect, you know, some sort of like skin and tissue and muscle fiber uh, monstrosity. And then I would wake up and be very, very confused. Would you be touching your face like, oh, God? No, I'd just be like, whoa. 
And then I'd be like, oh, it's that dream again that I have three or four times a week. <laughs> and then I think I just basically was like, oh, you probably shouldn't have dreams anymore. And then for like 10 or 15 years, I didn't have a dream that I remembered. And slowly they've been coming back and they're very boring. I find them frightening. I mean, that specifically what you just described is totally frightening. Uh, and also kind of Freddy Krueger-y. Yeah, a little bit probably. Just uh, the skin that you were describing. My most mundane and repetitive dreams lately are just involve like endlessly I like scrolling. how just you want to just change subject and not go any deeper into that one. It's too gross. Yeah, but the face, <laughs> that's fair. The, the face peel. I just have a, taking your face scab off. That's what you know. It's what you do. Yeah, take your face off. You never. Is I it wanna... the horror of having your your self revealed to you? <laughs> I love when that happens. No, I want to get to your most boring dream. We'll get there because that's that because that is, that is podcast gold. But I want to know, Michael. So you never got to the point in that strawberry head dream. <laughs> You never, you never, it never became like lucid. You were never like, oh, here it goes, strawberry head again. Like, I need to peel my face. Like, you never, no. you use a shock every time. Every time. Well, every time it just felt like the first time it was happening. Every time I'd be like, what, what's, oh, weird. And then, oh, that again. Has anyone ever tried lucid dreaming? Yeah, it's horrifying. Have you done it? You're, I, I should have known, but. Well, let's just say in junior high, there was a period where we were really trying to get astral traveling going. <laughs> uh, by we, I mean me and my friend Tess. We sure. thought it was a real fun thing to do. And, you know, I think you can sort of lead people along a path. I've been really into reading and watching stuff about hypnotism. I don't know if I believe in it. I think I'm very gullible in a certain way. Uh, I find dreams frightening. I find the moment when you like know it's a dream and can't get out to be the scariest thing in the world, which is maybe why I avoid having them because I find them too scary and immersive. I feel like there's two people in this room who are talking about being able to just turn dreaming off as a thing, <laughs> and like I yeah. never been able to do that. I mean, you know, well, there's there's things that can make you forget. What that you're dreaming? Yeah. I guess there are substances that can block you from remembering your dreams. But I'm then told. sometimes you go on vacation, you don't have access to those substances, and then you have frighteningly hyper vivid dreams the whole time because it's either that you just have access to it again, or it's like your brain is like letting loose because it's been all backed up. In this episode of Mollywood, Molly described the downside to microdosing GHB. <laughs> <laughs> Molly's been yeah, four years of GHB. Four years of microdosing GHB has left me. Rears up and spits in your face. Going on the G walk. Guys, I feel like I'm going to turn around and you're all going to have strawberry faces. <laughs> That's what happens. We're all normal. If this were a Black Mirror episode, bum, bum, bum. I was about to say that that, that would be might a happen. Dramatic. Third act twist. The pig face people are the beautiful people. All right, we're gonna get there. Hold your hold your horses for one moment. Michael and Jessica, thanks for coming in. Thanks for to, coming. To talk about dreams. I hope you resolve your strawberry face issues. <sighs> thanks, Molly. Thanks, Alex. What I, if what if Jessica guys. is falling asleep listening to this podcast? Right I'm having now a that lucid dream on. where I'm ripping everyone in this room's face off. Strawberry heads. <laughs>
All right, Molly. So I'm going to read you something that is uh, relevant. Uh, this is from the 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 Independent, the the, the uh, British newspaper, the Independent. I like how you said British. British. It's a British newspaper. Um, so uh, this is uh, Reed Hastings, who's the CEO of Netflix. Is that a, a, a like a Wall Street Journal uh, event giving like a talk at one of these things? In 20 or 50 years, he's talking about sort of the future, like what's the next thing that uh, Netflix is going to do? Um, and then he kind of veers off script, apparently. This is like not, this is clearly like an ad-libbed kind of thing. He's talking about things like, oh, is it apps? Like how do we compete with all these things? Uh, you know, uh, the next thing is not going, maybe it's not going to be the same. Is it VR? Is it gaming? Is it pharmacological? And this is the moment when he just kind of, he spirals out. He's like, in 20 or 50 years, taking a personalized blue pill you just hallucinate in an entertaining way, and then a white pill brings you back to normality is perfectly viable, Mr. Hastings said. And if the source of human entertainment in 30 or 40 years is pharmacological, we'll be in real trouble. Okay, it seems like a lot of people are getting their ideas about the future from The Matrix still, <laughs> which is funny because that movie came out a long time ago. Um, and also, I feel like he's describing acid. <laughs> there is a thing which we have called that. Yeah, that does if that. You want to take a thing and then hallucinate things that you can do. But it's like I think it's true. It's like, did you? Uh, I'm, we've talked about this. I think off mic, but I actually don't even remember what the answer is. Have you ever seen Wild Palms, the yes. miniseries? Yeah, the nineties, the most Mollywood of all things, is a way Mollywood thing. And one the thing in Wild Palms that like sort of makes it you know realistic that like people will be able to get absorbed in these holographic uh, worlds where like people appear and sit on your couch in your living room. Is there's a drug that you take that makes things seem more real and uh, you know sort of eliminates that uncanny valley problem? I had my dream cyberpunk moment recently, which was that I was at the Glendale Galleria, and there is now a kiosk there where they demo Oculus Rift. Wow! So it was just everything I love in one place, and I also was like, oh look at the democratization of virtual reality, where they're just demoing it for people at the mall. What did you see? What I didn't put it on. I just saw people do it, and uh, they were all going like, whoa, which is what you want. But it, it is weird to me that it's still kind of like that 90s thing of like you put on a headset. It does seem like the next thing would be to make it wireless, which I guess is kind of what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it, it, yeah, putting it on your face, you're still putting, like, a big heavy thing on. Like, in Wild Palms, it's, like, little, like, Oliver Peoples glasses yes. with, like, the well, light up behind it. in the Black Mirror episode we both watched and are going to talk about, it's, like, a little just button that you put on your uh, neuron yeah, it's on like the a, outside. Yeah, it's just, like, a bead on the side it's of your It's on your, your pulse head. point, and it just goes, zoop. So, I mean, I brought up Reed Hastings because the new season of Black Mirror is on Netflix. Right. Uh, which you will soon, I guess, be able to get in pill form, uh, which is going to be dope when you can do that. Um, but in the meantime, you have to watch it uh, the regular way. I didn't know that you'd seen this all this all this time. I thought you were – like you asked me you asked me about it, I think, or somebody. I thought you knew that I was original Black Mirror Hive. I did not know that you were Mirror Hive, Mirror Head. Um, I am not because I've tried. I think you I've hate seen, things that you would love? I hate like stuff that's up my alley. I hate my alley is the problem that I have. I, I hate, no, Good thing but, we have a podcast where all we do is talk about the stuff we watch. I 
I, yeah, no, I look and it's weird because I, whenever anybody starts talking about, uh, Rod Serling and how Rod Serling, it's, it's so obvious. All the it's such a, it's, it's so, who says that everybody, I feel like everybody says that it's like, it's so, it's so facile. Like, you know, like I get it. Like it's communism. No, I feel like I have had that conversation with people a lot about the twilight zone. People are like, Oh, the the twilight zone hasn't aged well. I hate that conversation. Yeah, Cause that's not true at all. Twilight zone is aged impeccably well. But I do feel that way about Black Mirror. Sometimes I feel like it is, you know, and this is the thing. I think it's now crossing like a Rubicon where even this is this is now a majority opinion. Well, it's also and that thing now of like basic people, people, not you. This isn't a subtweet to you. But uh, <laughs> when people subtweet. start telling you about the thing you were telling them about five years ago, people oh, are like, hey, cute. do you know about this thing? And you're like, yeah, remember I told you to watch it 5,000 times and nobody listened to me. Uh, which is a very Black Mirror-y thing to be like, I tried to tell everyone, but no one would listen until it's too late. We need like really low stakes Black Mirror, like the person who's like, I'm into a TV show that nobody likes and now everybody likes it. That's my life. (laughs) My life is a low stakes Black Mirror. Black Mirror is a British sci-fi show about the dystopian future present. A lot of it has to do with screens and the name Black Mirror is about the thing that your phone looks like when it is off, which is a scary mirror that you see yourself in. It's they're all kind of like the community episode about meow meow beans, but really Don't know serious what that is. and long. Like an hour long, and it's like, oh, actually, this this thing that we thought this zombie entertainment, uh, we're all. It's like a very like uh, you know like a I feels like a college sophomore who just read Neil Postman for the first time and is like real woke about it. Uh, sometimes that's the most uncharitable way of looking at it. But a charitable person would say that it is a astute observational commentary on uh, our nightmarish phone world that we have all opted into in the last. 10 years? I'm sorry. I couldn't. I, I wasn't, couldn't, I wasn't I was paying attention. I was looking at my phone. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know what that show is. I remember about. the first time I saw people all looking at their phones. I remember when my friends had Instagram right before I got it and we were all sitting around and they were staring at their phones and I was like, well, what the fuck are you doing? This is bad. They all just disappeared. And then I became one. So it's about peer pressure to do things that are bad for you because no. everyone else is doing them. But- there's one episode this season that is optimistic, one might say, and that episode is called San Junipero. Uh, I want to say the J as a silent J. Like a unipero? Yeah. Is I want to a- pronounce it in like a more... I think it's probably Spanish. It's probably, you probably can't. Yeah, but, but it's a made up place. Yeah, they say San Junipero. <laughs> It is weird because this is a it's a made up it's a made up place. It's a made up show. place and it was shot in South Africa. Oh, that's weird. I didn't know that. Well. South Africa for Southern California is like a thing. Well, I don't know if it's supposed to be Southern California. I thought it was supposed to be like Central California, but I also just thought it was supposed to be some kind of beach town paradise that anybody would want to live in. It's a Southern California of the mind. It's like yeah. an OC of the mind. Uh, I related to it a lot because probably uh, death is the only time I will be able to afford to live by the beach, as I would like to do. <laughs> so that was very much appealed to me. This was one of the the only episodes where maybe at the end I was like, boy, I wish that existed because yeah. I would do it. It's It's hard to talk about it because basically all I want to tell you is that it is about it's uh, has, it stars Mackenzie Davis this episode of Halt and Catch Fire. 
a friend of the podcast, although she doesn't know it. Mackenzie She's Davis. a friend of the podcast. She once wrote me a really nice email about a blog post I wrote, and I fanned out really hard because I was like, "She's like us." She's I great. would I would embroider that on a sampler if that <laughs> happened to me. Um, she is a great actress, and she plays a very different role in this episode than she does on Halt and Catch Fire. And uh, how different? We can't tell you. We can't tell you. And the other star of the episode is Gugu Umbata Ra, who is awesome British actress who was on Doctor Who, another famous British sci-fi anthology series that I have never watched. Nor will you. That is a nerddom. That's the one nerddom that missed me. Somehow. It is the one nerddom that makes even Dungeons and Dragons nerds be like, "You fucking nerd! I'll punch you in the face, you nerds!" With your What's it called? I can't even. A Dallas? No. Daleks? De- oh, it's de- <laughs> you just, uh, Debbie does Daleks. Debbie does Daleks. It's like, We're going to yeah. get so many angry tweets from Doctor Who heads. The, the, da- the Daleks. I actually think we should. We need to steer into. I'm just saying, like, if you're, if you're into Black Mirror, you can't be like, I'm too cool for Doctor Who. No, I feel like it, I feel the opposite. I feel like it's people who are like would never be caught dead watching Doctor Who are like, but Black Mirror, it's like, it's about, it's about bigger issues. Well, it that's what I'm on. saying. Those people should all be forced to watch Doctor Who. It is the sci-fi So maybe nerd. we should be forced to watch Doctor Who. Yes. I mean, I like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I like your regional British sci-fi. Oh man. Hitchhiker's Guide. Is the I, best. Yeah. I was, I'm so damaged by that. Just in history. Because it's amazing. We should do we should do a presentation. We should do the radio plays. Oh, I used to that was like the first uh text game I spent all my time playing, the role playing text game. That's a really hard text it's game. Impossible. You by can't, the way. It's impossible. It's, re- it's really, really hard. We spend hard. a lot of time talking about video games that we've both played that are literally impossible to beat, such as that game and uh Knight's Quest. That's a yeah. the other like game you spend all your time on sort of realizing that there's a certain point you'll never get past, but you're like, what if I could just get past it? We can't, we need to save the Infocom podcast for another, another time. I'm going to make just a, a game where just that is the point of the game is that there's like a wall you reach and you cannot pass it. And that's how the game is. There uh, was some video games in this episode. Specifically, there was a reference to one of my favorite video games, Bubble Bobble. Um, it opens with an eighties, Scene set in the 80s, um, and the Mackenzie Davis character, Yorkie, is playing a Bubble Bobble arcade machine and talks about how the game has two different endings, which it was the first game to ever have two endings. And Bubble Bobble is like my favorite video game of all time, so I was very excited about it. I feel like it's kind of underrated, underrepresented, even in arcade nerddom. and this episode had some of the best music supervision and soundtracking I'd ever heard in my life, which also just really makes you think about how bad it is on most shows all of the time and how it can be good and we don't have to accept bad montages. We were talking a lot about the montage aspect of this episode. They paid really well for good good montage songs. Yeah. So recommended highly. All I'm going to say is that I was not expecting to be so affected by it. I felt sort of manipulated at times and was like aware of being manipulated. And that's what the episode's really about. It's about nostalgia and memory manipulation. Uh, And when they played a Belinda Carlisle song at the end of the episode, I just started to bawl my eyes out like uncontrollably. And I was not prepared. I was just like 
crying my face off and I did not. I was like, ah, I'm being manipulated, but it's also real, <laughs> which is kind of what the episode is about. And yeah, and you know, some people were saying it's a happy ending for a Black Mirror episode. I saw it as kind of like a the graduate ending, where it's like the happy ending that then you're like, well, what happens five minutes later yeah. after this happy ending? Do, do things continue to go well, but it doesn't matter because you end on that sort of euphoric moment, and that's kind of all that matters. And uh, yeah, it's great. I yeah, you should definitely watch it. I just like when somebody reveals themselves. It's like Charlie Brooker revealing himself as a big halt and catch fire stand. Like that he's obviously like you can just tell it's like because it's Mackenzie Davis playing video games. It's the eighties. It's just even even if it's a it is a very different character, but it's so obviously like he it feels like a tribute. And as a fellow Stan for that show, I approve. So anyway, I'll do this again. Uh, tweet me, us, all the Black Mirror episodes that I should watch so that I can like Black Mirror as much as you do. Everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in your dreams. See you in your dreams. This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, Kasia Mihailovic, and James T. Green for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.